Fit for Life Radio, episode number 97. It's our first episode this fall. Mm. Recording on the second day of fall. And it's raining. It's like pure like nap time weather today. Mm-hmm. Rain all day. Where it's really dark, even though it's like 7, 8 a.m. Mm. But it's 85 degrees and muggy. Yeah. Doesn't feel like fall. Hey, it's supposed to drop tomorrow. 72 degrees. Mm. Take out those As blue- the high, baby. You're taking out those blue jeans? You know it. I'm ready. Laying out a little lightweight sweater. Mm. Little cardigan. What are the... Uh, that's like the button-up ones, yeah. right? <laughs> well, hey, shawl collar. I'm in. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Like college professor. Let's do it. Nah. Mm. You can't do that. I New- tried You can't on. do it in Newport News, they man. They had one at Target. Like last, it's fall, the wrong city for that. I put it on. Nah, I couldn't take myself serious. It was kind of cozy. I, I mean, yeah. Like I could wear this around the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd be brave enough to wear it anywhere. Put on some slacks in your yeah. Nah, shawl collar. Shawl collar. You think I could go anywhere in it without anyone saying anything? Nah, you get a lot of looks for sure. Oh, all right. Today's episode. Alcohol and health. We are... This is probably going to make some people not happy, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Going to do a little research review. So the PN Academy Research Insider had a little issue on alcohol and health. And yeah, we just want to go over it, educate. We're going to deep dive. We've, yeah, we've kind of touched on it before. I'll start off by saying, and knowing all this and you know, going through the deep dive, I... Still drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, as we get into it, I'll, I'll, actually, I'll say actually not moderately. Um, no. Which will go into what that even means. But socially, you know, and but it could end up being, yeah, if I'm go, you know, going to the beach or going to do something social, have a couple drinks. But that could happen. It could end up happening three weekends in a row. but And then it could also... I not happen for nine months for three months nine yeah. months yes um so on average uh i, I am not even a moderate drinker no, pretty, we're pretty the, light we're the same like um, i could probably count on my hand like the number of times we really drink per year yeah and we don't drink by ourselves or just to like same you know as a habit to relax or anything like that because ultimately i know for me yeah i sleep worse and yeah, you you know messes everything up. Those are, those are the it. main reasons, and I don't enjoy it enough. So if I'm gonna have 400 calories, I'd rather have food. Basically, a thousand other things. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. But I do enjoy you know drinking and like fo- socially, and you get a little buzz, and it's probably habit too from college. You know that's yeah, which is a whole nother episode. But behavior, societal norms of like you have to do this, you know, and it's you yep. go to college like that's that's what you do, and it becomes a lifestyle habit. And then it's just... Yeah, when you get together with your friends, you drink. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. And then I mean, I do the sometimes you develop a habit, though, where you only... Like, you don't hang out with people without alcohol being involved. Yeah. You know, and that's one, you know, one thing to look at, which is, I'll say this, everyone we do hang out with, there's times where we, yeah, all don't drink at all and yep. do other stuff. So... Um, it's something to think about if you're like, man, I do have to drink every time I hang out socially or, or with certain people. And, um, 
yeah, take that for what it is. But we won't. That's more the social. Yeah, that's like social behavior behavior stuff. We're gonna dig in on just the health. Yep, this research review, which basically took. This is a good way. I, I like when different topics do have tons of um, research and studies done, but then you you get to take the breadth. Yep, of uh, all of them, all like of a meta review of the review yeah. or of the research, because you never want like one study to come out. Because be we like, know that one study can say one thing and one study can say the opposite. Mm-hmm. But if you have forty-five studies that say one thing and then two that say the opposite, well, it's clear where you know the consensus lies. You know, yep. on the one side with you know forty-five in its favor. Favor. So it's a really dependable way to do it, and it's kind of how science works. You know, like it's ever. I'll say ever changing because we always find out new stuff, but like as you accumulate, you know, knowledge and try things and research it, like you do come to a consensus over time. It just takes time. Yeah. And before we dive into it, I guess we'll kind of like, let's just tell everyone where we'll tell you where this is ending up. So if you, you just kind of want to know, do you want the cliff notes? Some people get very, you know, with alcohol, cause I've been coaching people for 16 years and it's a topic that's very, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you know, people get very squeamish around it and they don't mm-hmm. want to hear like certain things or be told what to do or what not to do or this. But ultimately, I, I like where it's headed, which ultimately I, I feel comfortable saying, and this is kind of how it is in our lives. Um, for one, it's not simple and clear cut. No. But ultimately, the best way to probably frame it and look at it is um, that alcohol can be part of a healthy lifestyle but just don't think that alcohol is like the reason that your lifestyle that is your healthy. lifestyle is healthy or you know attributing any healthy aspect yes. to it but that doesn't mean that it's bad and that you can't partake in it uh it's just being realistic about it right um that's that's the the best way to go about it. So, because now in the I think the biggest issue in all this is people you have to understand how much money is involved with alcohol, these companies, and yeah. in marketing, right? Time. So one of the greatest things they've done is market wine because it has it's heart healthy. Yeah, polyphenols and stuff from the grapes. But even though that is, we think there might be health benefits, but we don't really know. Yeah. And again. You can get those benefits from just the grapes, the grapes, and other things without the negatives, because again, alcohol is mostly a toxin. Yeah, or it is a toxin, and it's basically comes with negatives. So, yeah. um, and then most of the studies that come out positive are normally funded by alcohol companies. Big <laughs> so, alcohol. You know, you can see where where that can be an issue um but yeah so let's start with first thing you want to rule out is obviously heavy drinking there's not going to be there's no yeah there's no benefit now where where the you know people are like oh moderation moderate drinking so what is moderation what then obviously anything more than what's you know labeled as moderate is going to be heavy no bueno yeah and so moderate drinking is Moderate alcohol consumption is typically defined as one to two drinks per day. One drink varies between studies. So in the PN study review, um, 
they kind of kind of have to generalize generalize a little uh, but in general um, and the Mayo Clinic specifically defines one drink as 12 ounces of beer that's 5% alcohol 12 ounces or 5 ounces of wine that's 12% alcohol or one and a half fluid ounces of liquor that's 80 proof but one thing to realize is it's not necessarily the drink size that relates to how much alcohol is actually in the beverage. Uh, it's the amount of alcohol. And so technically one drink is equal to 14 grams of alcohol. But that's where you have to remember something like beer, a, you know, average beer is 5% alcohol. But if you're drinking like a double Those IPA. heavies, man. That's, that's two beers. Well, yeah, two be, servings of alcohol so in be, one. You could have a 12-ounce beer. You know, that's 5% alcohol and a 12-ounce beer that's 10% alcohol. So technically, that's two drinks. Yeah. And then another thing to consider is things like like wine. Mm-hmm. Like what a real serving is and how, how many people actually only have one of that serving. Yeah. One serving of wine is 150 milliliters, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a lot of liquid, man. And it starts to also, another thing that plays a role is your body size. Oh, like yeah. Like you're 100 and... 30 pound female or 230 pound male it, it technically would be your skewed, needs are going to be different to your too. body size so but in general if you're just thinking one to two drinks a day yeah like we can keep it basic like that so anything more than that it's basically not even in the argument yep right then you may also be thinking well what about if you know i don't drink daily and i just kind of save up for the weekend and go ham one to two drinks a day would be seven to 14 drinks in a week. So yeah, basically then you just crush that on a Saturday Saturday night. Crush a 12-er. That's binge drinking, right? And that would fall in the no-no category as far as alcohol and health, right? It just doesn't work that way because yeah. you're getting all that alcohol at once, which has issues, obviously even more issues because of you know the amount of alcohol you're consuming in that short time frame. Yeah, because that big rush of alcohol like definitely carries a lot of negatives to it. Like, there's no real net positive other than you're having a good time. All the negatives, and like there is, you know, more of a risk of things happening as you know right afterwards too. Um, So, so yeah, it would be classified as heavy drinking, mm -hmm. even though it's yeah once a week. Yep, and super specific. Some research suggests that one heavy drinking episode might increase the risk of heart attack Boom. and stroke exactly. in the hours immediately after. Uh, and then obviously there's you know alcohol abuse and alcoholism, um, which defines the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism defines binge drinking as a pattern of alcohol intake that raises blood alcohol concentration to 0.08%. Damn, that, that legal limit. I feel like it doesn't take me a lot to get there. Yeah, and what a lot of people <laughs> don't realize is they heavy drink daily. Again, you could be a heavy pourer, and technically, I mean, you're you're getting into alcoholism ranges. Yeah, right? I mean, think about it. if you have a glass or a bottle of wine a night. Mm-hmm. That that's whether al- people want to talk yeah. about it or not, that's a problem. It's alcoholism. Yeah, according to the National Institute. Oh, yeah. of alcohol abuse and alcoholism. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's again where binge drinking is going to fall into. Um, so again, not even say, I'm not not even saying like you can't 
do make them? that fit into <laughs> an overall healthy lifestyle, but it, understand it's a trade-off, you know? Yeah, and there are more risks with that than there are the moderation, mm-hmm. which also carries it's, so risks. It probably shouldn't be something you do all the time. Nah, <laughs> especially as you get older. All right, so now we've kind of defined heavy drinking. So we know moderate drinking is one to two drinks, and that's not necessarily a certain amount per se. It could it really varies on the alcohol content. The vessel. Now you know, for the most part, one to two drinks, one uh, can of beer, one glass of wine that's five ounces a shot. Now with that, there's some research that alcohol might decrease the risk of cardiovascular disease. So that's kind of like the main thing that a lot of like marketing and and things will kind of stand on. Yeah, it's good for your heart health. Um, The thing is, so looking now again, like with this research review where they look at all these research reviews, um, for the most part, there's like two benefits. Yeah. And they're not even really sure if, if it is or know, how it happens, you know, if it even does potential happen. Potential benefits. Um, and one thing is the kind of alcohol you drink probably doesn't matter. Nah, it's just if, alcohol. If there are these benefits. So whether yeah. it's red wine or uh, dark beer or, you know, versus light beer or red wine versus white wine, um, it just probably doesn't matter. Yep. Um, now, some people will talk about, like we mentioned earlier, the polyphenols in red wine. Um, but for the most part in the research review, they just don't think it's a likely explanation for you know, any you know, benefit of lowering risk of cardiovascular disease from moderate alcohol consumption. Um, and side note, the polyphenols come from the grapes. You can just eat grapes if you know, that's something you're, you're after. Um, now, that would be the maybe benefit. Of moderate yeah. drinking, so again, lowering still cardi- up in the air cardiovascular risk. They're not sure why. Probably does not connect to the type of alcohol. Um, one thing I could see, and just I don't even, I can't remember. We'll do if we get into this, um, but I could see maybe where and one reason it could be beneficial. And again, this is going to depend on how you how you respond to alcohol. But yeah, if it relaxes you. You know, there's going to be probably benefits. That's to my theory too. Bringing your heart rate down and being relaxed and being able to, um, you know, be in that state. And the benefits of just like being social and yeah. having a good time, like that, isn't without merit. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that if that accompanies your your alcohol consumption and that lowering of stress, like it will have yeah. heart benefits because your stress is lower, and you know, because of that, you know, you're not wired. Yep. Noun. Moving on in the review. The doubts. So there's basically they talk about how there's plenty of doubts. Um, the bottom line, they say there may be cardiovascular benefits to moderate drinking, but the evidence is far from conclusive. Either way, drinking for heart health is probably misguided at best. Yeah. Um, and then for the case they make against moderate drinking, uh, it talks about how even small amounts consumed regularly may be problematic for some people. And this is one thing I think a lot of people overlook is all the problems alcohol causes, right? With yeah. your organs, internal organs, with um, 
people then make bad decisions and you get get in cars and drive Mm -hmm. and there's alcoholic injuries and deaths from accidents, um, drinking too much and alcohol poisoning. Like these are all legit problems. Problems, right? And And we all know have been affected by it in some way, I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. So like it's, you can't ignore that yeah. at all. Especially if you're like, Oh, I'm drinking for my heart health. And it's like, Hey, Whoa, like there may be minimal, moderate cardiovascular benefits, but then it's like, if you're crushing your liver and, or, you know, the other more acute injuries from like, you know, like car wrecks and stuff like that, it's obviously, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that benefit is not outweighing the risks mm-hmm. at all. Um, so though that has to be considered, you know, and then also some people just how they genetically respond to alcohol, you know, but, you know, sometimes people get very angry or, um, psychoactive toxic type components. And then another concern is cancer risk. Um, and that's probably a bigger one than people realize you yeah. don't hear it a lot. Cause again, there's lots of money involved that prevents maybe the media from, Remember, these TV stations, media companies, well, what is one of the most common advertisements you hear? Bud Light, baby. Okay, and that's how these media companies make money Mm -hmm. and stay in business as advertisers. So if you alienate... Probably a third of your advertising. Budweiser doesn't want to advertise when there was just a segment on how alcohol increases cancer cancer risk. risk. Um, Which, there was a study, 2009, National Cancer Institute estimates that three to five percent of all cancer deaths in the u.s are alcohol related that's actually really <laughs> higher than i expected yeah. it to be three to five percent's a lot and in general it scales right the more alcohol you drink the higher your risk of developing cancer which i mean if we think about it take a step back it's literally a toxin to our body and we you know can process it whatever but it's a f- like something that is really in no way good for us, mm-hmm. despite us being able to manage it. Um, you know, probably after years of drinking it, but yeah. straight up, it's just not good for you. And they also suggest that any level of regular alcohol consumption is associated with an increased risk of oral. I'm ready for this one. <laughs> nah, man, you got it. Pharyngeal, esophageal, <laughs> liver, and female breast cancer. So, like, all these different types of yep. cancer are, and you know, associated. Com- compare, and this was compared to non-drinkers. So, there's yeah. two groups. Um, and with those, same as before, the risk of each cancer increased as people's alcohol intake increased. Uh, so, again, probably more credence to make sh- not heavy drinking, right? And when if you do, it shouldn't be all the time. Um, I think... I didn't even notice this, but the colorectal cancer, which is a big one for, mm-hmm. especially for men in you know middle age, like are known as an alcohol-related cancer. Oh. And I didn't know that that was such a strong association. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just a, you know, mm-hmm. something to think about. And let's see. Well, now, and one thing to understand with. The risk is, and this is where studies, if something says there's a 50% increase in risk. It can sound real scary. Yeah, but it's it's relative risk. Um, so the example they use here is 
Uh, So, for example, according to the study results, moderate drinkers had a 44% greater risk of developing laryngeal laryngeal cancer compared to non-drinkers. So that sounds awful, right? But, again, it's important to remember, remember it's relative risk. So to get the relative risk of 44%, the scientists first calculated the chance that a moderate drinker would get cancer, then they divided that number by the chance a non-drinker would get the cancer. So, to put that 44% risk into context, you need to have an idea of absolute risk. Um, The absolute risk is very low. So, for that, um, the example they use is for developing larynx cancer, it's a low absolute risk, but let's say We've established that if you're a moderate drinker, that risk goes up to 44%. But a 44% increase in relative risk would take their chances from 1 in 190 to 1.4 in 190. So really not as big of a a jump as it scares you to think. 0.2% increase, right? Exactly. Now for... The individual, yeah, you like okay. There's always going to be a um, yeah a variation in that. It's it, it may not seem that significant, but on a population level, um, it that can, is a lot. It can be very very significant. So, um, and then one thing to remember with that that is kind of important is that that's only one single factor, and there are a lot of other things that do contribute to that as well. Yeah. you know, like your diet, and, your activity, your stress levels, and that can change that. Mm-hmm percentage a lot yeah so you have to decide yeah for yourself you're like oh one percent risk increase right but now that as far as government like man like noticing these things so if the u.s population um say is half men and they were you know the example we used was that cancer with men the one percent um so if we know half the u.s population is half men having one percent more of those men which is around 1.6 million end up with that type of cancer is a big deal. Because um, what's what's the math on that, Will? Uh, 1% of 1.6 million. 1%, it's like 160,000? Damn. You're asking me to do math on the fly. 1.6. 16,000. Yeah. So that, you let's know. Ho- let's hope that's right. Um, let's see. I feel like... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah. So again, that's where all this is going to come down to. Like, it depends, right? What is your, you know, what's the rest of your lifestyle? Is the rest of your lifestyle risky, right? That's why I personally have no problem drinking some, even though yeah. knowing that some probably in- could increase risk at a small percentage. Um, but that's that's life in general, right? I like, mean, there's so many things could, that technically we could break do that. that down with driving your car. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what people have to remember. I mean, you see it a lot now with coronavirus stuff, right? Um, so it's it's with everything. There's really every decision we do is subconsciously gauging our relative risk. Yeah, and if it's constantly. Um, so yeah, I don't want this to be like never drink, and this is this is frightful. But at the same time. Just realize it is a little more risky. It shouldn't get a free pass, yeah. Um, Now, where does this kind of... uh, Oh, and one thing 
to touch on, which I think is the biggest thing too, is yeah, like Will mentioned, remember it's a toxin. There's a lot of organ damage that happens to people, mm-hmm. you know, over time that alcohol probably contributes to, especially yeah. the liver because yep. alcohol is filtered, processed through the liver. So obviously consuming a lot of alcohol puts a lot of w- stress and work on yeah. the liver. It doesn't do any good. Um, yeah. Noun. Again, where does that leave things? Um, oh, also, a lot of people would probably be interested in this. So this was a note in the research review, breast cancer and alcohol. Um, so it's kind of obvious a lot of times for people to see the connection of alcohol to oral, throat, liver, and even colon cancer. But female breast cancer, most people, you know, it's not going to, it's a weird connection, right? Um, the researchers believe that part of the risk may be related to folate and B vitamin that helps build DNA and is essential for cell division. What happens is alcohol blocks the absorption of folate, and it's possible that this may contribute to cancer risk. Um, so that's why, and they're noticing more and more that connection to breast cancer, yeah. alcohol and breast cancer. It's actually been around for a while, but again, you don't hear about it. Yep. Um, but it's pr- pretty strong and pretty prevalent. And uh, again, that's kind of why they think they're seeing it, is that it uh, has to do with folate, alcohol blocking the absorption. And that's the thing, right? The human body is so complicated, you know, about all the, so much the stuff that goes, that goes on. on with micronutrients and nutrients and all this. And a lot of stuff that works together, but mm-hmm. doesn't really work very well on its own and things that get blocked by certain substances. Like it's hard. Yeah. And it's not clear cut at all. So, and I, again, I think a great takeaway is just kind of be honest in general with the fact that probably don't need alcohol for any health benefits. No. Like any maybe possible health benefits from alcohol you can get from other places. Without the risk involved. Yeah. So at the same time, the, you know, it's not like the level, there's a level of risk, right, to be gauged. Yeah. And you can have a healthy lifestyle that includes alcohol. For sure. Right? But it won't make you healthy. Exactly. Like we said in the beginning. And it seems to scale... The risks seem to scale up as you drink more with the volume consumption mm-hmm. of alcohol. So again, more moderate drinking will be better, not because it has direct health benefits, but simply because you're consuming less. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's finding, finding that balance, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, if it relaxes you, um, that's probably, and again, this was not part of the research. This is just no. our this is our speculation too. Speculation thoughts. Then um, that that could be helpful, right? Now the problem is drinking it close to bed and at night. Yeah, it may help you feel relaxed, but it, it's it disrupts point your blank. Sleep. It's going to disrupt your sleep straight up. Even though you feel sleepier, you're not going to be able to get in as deep of sleep, get as restorative sleep. If that becomes like a nightly habit, so again, now it's a consistent thing. You are getting poor. Then you have quality. chronic bad sleep. Yeah. Which we know has a you know a cascading effect on your day, and we've covered the circadian rhythm, you know, previously on a podcast and things like that. So that has a very negative health effect when you're not getting good sleep. Yeah, and if you want to avoid that, you probably want to avoid alcohol, 
up to about four hours before your bedtime. Yeah, so just have a drink. <laughs> Never mind. That's <laughs> gonna say when you get up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> solves that problem. Uh. Um, but yeah. So, and also remember, um, there's going to be contradicting studies. Right? Always. Like tomorrow, you could hear a podcast on all the benefits, right? But that's why we like this research review from Precision Nutrition that's a, like a meta taking in all of them. Those are always going to be so good. If you jump around from one new thing that could have different variables, you're going to be changing all the time. So it's important to kind of take the totality in. Yeah. And this is like, I think, an important thing for everyone to remember because we do see so many different studies and new research on the news or online, realizing that one, like you need to be able to disseminate that information. A lot of times the headlines are actually different than what the study even said. You know, they completely distort it. So that's an important thing to be able to sift through. And then realizing that one study doesn't make something true. You know, because there are a lot of reasons. They may have just, it may have been a bad study. It may have been, you know, paid for by somebody who has an agenda, which is a lot of times what it is, unfortunately, because you need money to do research. Um, so taking in that wide breadth of information is generally going to be the best way to go. So um, yep. those are good things to look for when you're looking at topics because that's covered, you know, probably 30 years of research. Mm -hmm. And if they, after 30 years, they're coming to the same conclusion, like there's a good chance that it's probably, you know, at least on the right track. Yeah. And it goes without saying, if you feel bad and don't like it and hate it, you don't probably do don't it. do it, you know, but if you can, if you do enjoy it, it brings joy to your life and you can manage it, then fit it in. Right. And there's some people who go their entire life and have zero negative effect yeah. from, from drinking. Right. So it's important to realize we're all different and none of this stuff is exact, perfect answers. Yeah. Right? It's, it's again, just going to be a collective average and trying to weed through what, what you think the best decisions are for you. Mm -hmm. um, I know for me, and again, taking that kind of total overall approach, yeah, it has a place as something fun to do that I enjoy with friends and um, do in moderation. You know, I'm mean, yeah. used to when I was younger. Yeah, binge, binge drink all the time. For I, sure. I haven't done that in forever. Um, so I normally, that's the great thing about not doing it all the time. You don't need much to get a little buzz. Oh, yeah, and, man. And two, fun. two drinks and I'm having a good time. Um, also, I, if anything, it just makes me sleepy. You know, I don't yeah. get angry or mad or combative or anything. Nah, I get real chill. Um, again, another thing to take into fact too, this is separate, but it's, it is calories, right? And again, depending on your goals with performance and physique, it's a huge factor. Yeah, it's going to affect right? you. For one, performance-wise, yeah, the way it can impact sleep, obviously it can have downstream effects to impacting performance. It can Recovery. also affect our decision-making, which mm -hmm. then can affect uh, what we're eating what we, or what we're not eating, um, which then is, can affect body composition goals. So it definitely makes those things more challenging as well. So that's why, in general, if you are a heavy drinker and you're into fitness, it's just always going to be an obstacle. It's going to be a juggling act always, and that's just not... When you have more of it. So, yeah. Which then makes sense, right? It's like, man, well, if for performance and physique it's more alcohol makes these things harder it kind of intuitively makes sense that we'll separate for our health probably more alcohol is makes it make, harder make things harder and yeah. not, not have 
good effects on our health. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really, I would just yeah, where do you see yourself on that spectrum of less is better, mm-hmm. but I want to have some, and trying to trying to manage that, you know. Yeah, and you got like we kind of always say this, but you got to take an honest look and just be like, is this is this serving me, or am I just not very mm-hmm. good at managing this, or does it not have good effects? And, and what's what's the rest of your life like? Yeah, you know, do you eat well in general? Do you do you get plenty of sleep? Do you enjoy your job? Do you have healthy relationships? Um, you know, if more of those things are in a good place, then you can conceivably you allow right. for more alcohol or definitely probably have it find a place in your mm-hmm. life. Are your relationships like unraveling? Are you super stressed at yep. with your career and work? Are you, you know, not taking care of yourself with what you eat and your sleep habits? Then alcohol is probably going to compound in a bad way with all those other factors. So, yeah, it's got to look at all the pieces. Look at all that. Mm-hmm. Assess the risk. And... Again, so back to the, the calories a little bit too. When drinking, it's, you know, try to avoid stuff with a ton of added calories. Yep. You know? So yeah, all of a sudden, if we're looking at that shot that's like 80 calories, mm-hmm. but then you add 700 calories of a sweetened beverage to it, now you're talking about one drink is an 800 calorie wallop. Which is like you know, almost half of somebody's daily calories yeah. or it could be more than half. And then all of a sudden you have that alcohol or two or three and now your inhibitions are down. Now you're getting nachos. You're ordering nachos. Mm-hmm. Big old to your house. So then you're... DoorDash. Then you're eating your nachos. Then you're digging into your Oreos. Mm. So now you're deep. You're deep. Deep in those calories. Have you ever used DoorDash? No. Me neither. Too cheap. Yeah. That shit's expensive. I mean, I don't really eat anything that I would need from there anyways, yeah. but yeah, I've just... I don't even... I guess I'd order a, a pizza. To that would house. be the only thing, but doesn't... Like, pizza delivers anyways, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't need to use... I mean, that was the original DoorDash, I guess. Yeah. The only DoorDash was pizza. Like, I, I think that... Like, sushi would be dangerous to DoorDash. That's so the only thing that I like to go out here's and get. My, here's my other th- problem with this, right? A lot of food. So like pizza, they have that special bag, right? Because if you go and get pizza and then bring it back after it's been, it gets soggy. Mm-hmm. So same thing, like any other food, I would rather just go, go get, get it, it fresh and so have it fresh because it's probably something I normally don't eat and it's going to taste and be way better. Yeah, it's like if you go get nuggets and waffle fries from Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Your waffle fries are going to be soggy. Yeah. I guarantee you. So, like, the idea of, like, DoorDash sushi, I'm like, well, now the sushi is just, every minute's a minute further away from it being out of its... Cold and fresh. Yeah, out of its refrigerated process. Yeah. Handmade, and the rice is going to get, you know, soggier. Slimy. Warmer. uh, Like, you know, you're just not going to get... I agree. And let's come back to it. It's expensive. Yeah. Like, how much food do you need to really make it worth it? Because it's probably like, what, five, seven bucks to deliver? Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I feel like an old person. But that sounds about right. When maybe your meal was $9? Like, yeah. damn. You just spent $16 on nuggets and fries mm-hmm. from Chick-fil-A. And I guess the convenience is you don't have to cook food, right? 
So, because in my head, I'm like, well, I'll just go to the grocery store and get stuff, and then you have to cook it. But it's such a habit now, and it's not. Yeah, see, I don't think about it's that. It's not a headache. It's, yeah, I like to do it. It's not. So then when I'm factoring in, okay, it's not really saving me time because I just have my stuff down and like the meals I eat. Yeah, I, don't I can mind eat cooking super them. fast. So, yeah, for me, then the priority is like, well, I'd want to eat something I don't feel like cooking or making. Um, yeah. That's a different type of food that I'm not used to handling, and mm-hmm. I just want it to taste good. And so now, and all of a sudden, the main priority for me, which is a delicious meal, well, the delivery complicates bring, that, brings that down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's my number one thing. And the number two would be, and then I'm paying like yeah six yeah, bucks. Yeah, I just I don't know. More power to you if you do it, but I just yeah. it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it makes more sense. I feel like too in bigger cities. Yeah, where it's so much is closer. Mm-hmm. You know, so the delivery is going to not be that long. Whereas when you're in a little more area like this that I mean, depends. Shit, if you think about me like in york county everything that is a little farther 15 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. or more yeah just, just, just don't do it all right door dash that alcohol can you do that now i, I think they were doing something during i mean places were doing yeah, like to go alcohol stuff like mexican places doing margaritas that was to go. weird to me i was like that was dangerous you, can, you can't you can just make that at home like with the blender but people do. People like love the the marks from Plaza. Yeah. Load it up. Mm. Just don't drink it on the way home. We have done an episode on that alcohol and calories and more. Mm-hmm. Or if you if you're really interested specifically in the Mexican restaurant, we did an episode on that. Let's see here. Which one is it? Episode. This was one of our most populars. Mm. What to eat at Mexican restaurants. Episode number sixty nine. <laughs> uh, nice. Growing up, never. But we we specifically touch on margaritas in there. Yeah. Chick fil A was the one before that. If you're just interested mm-hmm. in, you know, what should I do? Anyways, all right. I kind of got off on a tangent. So there's uh, our review of the research review. Review of the review done by Precision Nutrition. What if somebody does a review of our review? On alcohol and health. Really get down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think. Let us know if it, if it makes you squir- squirmy inside. Yeah. Were you offended? That's okay. <laughs> if you're going to change anything. Yeah. About your... Did it make you look at your own life a little bit? I hope so. Even if you don't change anything, it's kind of good to take a little look. Yeah. Look under the hood. Just make sure you're not, not being biased. Yeah. It's like when people talk about my football team. <laughs> you know? I gotta make sure I gotta check in that I'm not being biased. Yep. All right. All right, we'll catch you later. See you guys, girls. As always, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to learn more, check us out at coastalfitnessva.com or garydeagle.com. We'll see you next time.